Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. We've got a few episodes under our belt here at the Hi, I'm Bobby podcast. And I, guys, I got to tell you that it wasn't simpler to start a podcast than with Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone or your computer. Anchor will literally distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If this sounds amazing to you, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm so excited, and I hope you guys will make a podcast today. Hi, I'm Bobby, and I'm a friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous. Halloween is right around the corner, so we're getting into the spooky mood this week, and I'll be sharing some of my favorite Halloween TV episodes and specials. So I feel like the three specials that I'm going to talk about um, kind of are good representations of a a larger group of specials that we tend to get around Halloween. So first off, we're going to start off with Treehouse of Horror. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I am a massive Simpsons fan. I love The Simpsons. I could talk about it forever. It's definitely kind of like a top five of my favorite shows ever. And the Treehouse of Horror episodes are some of my favorite editions of the series. So if you don't know what it is, which I would be shocked if you didn't, but I will, you know, I'll explain anyways. So basically Treehouse of Horror is just the Halloween episode that happens every single uh, season for The Simpsons. They tend to do stories that are not canon, meaning that they're not in the the main storyline of the show. So these stories kind of tend to exist all by themselves. Um, They get to do kind of lean into the more gory side of the show. So like we see characters like die in kind of like comically gory ways. They tend to parody a lot of like horror um, like film and TV. So there's like a Shining parody. Um, trying to think there have been like literally countless uh, Twilight Zone <laughs> parodies. And in the first edition of Treehouse of Horror, they actually did a parody or really kind of just a retelling of The Raven. So it kind of 
crosses a large spectrum of horror content that they tend to parody. Um, but it is such like it never fails to get me into the Halloween mood. And honestly, I do watch Treehouse of Horror episodes year round, but especially around like, you know, like autumn, fall, like October time, they always tend to like get a little bit more love and appreciation from me. If you have not seen a Treehouse of Horror episode of The Simpsons, pretty much all of them are like fairly good. Um, There are some that are better than others, but that's like with any episode. And honestly, The Simpsons has been going for, I think, 33 seasons now. So you'll find an episode that you enjoy. But some of my favorites are um, The Raven that I mentioned from Treehouse of Horror 1. And basically, it is just a retelling or rereading of The Raven, narrated by James Earl Jones, nonetheless. And he's like a through line without the, throughout the entire episode of um, Treehouse of Horror, which is weird to think back on now, but it's like it, he does such a fantastic job throughout the entirety of this episode. <laughs> but he especially shines, um, obviously, with that like booming, bombastic voice that he has. But I love this segment because the raven is one of my favorite poems just really sharing a lot about myself right now but i do love the raven and doing it via um retelling it via bart and bart as the raven and homer is so interesting and i think they kind of balance the comedy and the kind of seriousness of an edgar Allan poe poem pretty well and apparently in doing some research on the segment Matt Groening, who's the one of the creators of the show or the creator of the show, he said that it was like one of the most like pretentious things that they've ever done in the series. Um, and that's why he doesn't like it as much because it is very pretentious. And I get that because Edgar Allan Poe is a very can be seen as a very pretentious poet. But I think that they kind of nailed where the series was at the time. So they were in that would have been in season two. And The Simpsons was doing a very good job of balancing, referencing things that weren't necessarily accessible or attainable to the public, but not doing it in a way that it was just going over the audience's head, like they could still find humor in it. And I think The Raven is just a perfect example of that. As far as my favorite holistic, like, episode of Treehouse of Horror, that would be Treehouse of Horror 5, which has the Shining parody in it, which I've never seen the Shining. Truly don't have plans to see the Shining um, because I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I am a big old scaredy cat when it comes to horror. Can't do it. And it's very scary to me. So this is the closest that I'll get to seeing The Shining. And in The Simpsons, in this Treehouse of Horror episode, they call it The Shinning because um, they don't want to get sued. But I think this is a great starter episode because it kind of the three segments of this episode um, just do a really good job of kind of explaining or giving you the vibe of what Treehouse of Horror episodes are intended to be. They're wacky. They're insane. And they're just fun to watch. So if you don't really quite like horror, like true horror, I do recommend watching a True House of Horror episode because it kind of it gives you the feeling um, that I'm sure horror fans experience without the explicit violence, I would say. So yeah, that's that's kind of that's the first thing that gets me really into the the spooky mood. I will probably end up binging all or would it be like 32 episodes of Treehouse of Horror at some point and I will say as um the seasons have progressed Treehouse of Horror has definitely taken a more very artistic view like it really like especially the couch gags at the beginning of it they are very um 
tailor-made and just these really beautiful pieces of art kind of standing alone. Um, and I think when you've done something like Treehouse of Horror for as long as the show has done it, you kind of have to turn things on their heads and find new ways to be a little bit scary and everything like that while still like you know pirating things that are current and everything but there are definitely some segments of Treehouse of Horror now that I'm like wow like these are just legitimately stunning to look at like there's a couch gag that was literally directed by Guillermo del Toro and it's like it's very good it's it's like a really just good like standalone piece of animation um so if you're an animation nerd like me you can appreciate the later episodes of Treehouse of Horror because they do a lot of really innovative and very very cool things with that being said we're going to move on so I'm going to be talking about the uh, Boy Meets World Halloween episode and then there was Sean. And I just saw this episode for the first time this year um, because I have someone in my life who loves Boy Meets World quite a bit. So we are doing a rewatch of a lot of the most iconic episodes and everything. And we watched and then there was Sean and I did not know that there was this kind of almost cult like following, not cult in like a bad way, but just like this really big campaign of people that really enjoyed this episode so much so that there is actually a comic that was inspired by this episode and then there was Sean. Um, so if you don't know, let's do a little bit of a re- rewind here. And then there was Sean is from season five, episode 17 of Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World was a 90s show. Um, It was a part of the ABC TGIF lineup um, and it starred Ben Savage, Ryder Strong, Daniel Fischel, Will Friedle. Like it's a very, very good show. I watched it when I was little. But in going back and visiting it now, a little bit older, I really kind of have an appreciation for it just being like a very 90s very of its time sitcom it's very very good if you haven't seen it in a while but this specific episode and then there were Sean I think like a lot of people from what I've been researching have uh, they're saying that it's like the best episode of the series like it's very very good it's like the most memorable episode and I think I can definitely see why people think that um so and then there were Sean is an episode that kind of follows the typical slasher film model that was extremely popular in the 90s. So this episode came out in 1998. It aired in 1998, which would have been kind of in the realm of films like Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. And we'll get to I Know What You Did Last Summer because there's actually a tie with that film to this episode, strangely enough. Um, But I think it was, again, it's like a very of its time episode. Um, So they kind of, they have the ensemble piece. So in this particular season, every episode kind of tends to bounce back and forth between it being like a Sean, Corey, and Topanga episode, or just a Sean and Corey episode, or just Sean and Angela, or like, you know, but this is a 
good ensemble piece where we have kind of the core cast all together. So we have Sean, we have Angela, we have Corey, we have Topanga, we have Eric, who is Corey's brother, and we have Eric's roommate, Jack. So they're all in it. So it gives that ensemble feel that a lot of these films of like the horror and slasher films of the time had. We kind of start off with like the members of the group are mysteriously disappearing one after another and we're trying to figure out who is the killer and we have a bunch of red herrings throughout the episode so at one point we think it's Feeney who was the killer but he's not the killer when he turns out like dead and I use dead like again this is like a like typical of many Halloween episodes and sitcoms they don't tend to be canon they don't tend to exist within running story of the series so this kind of exists all by itself but then we also get kind of like a she's not quite a final girl like true and true because there are other characters who kind of survive after her but Jennifer Love Hewitt makes an appearance in this episode um if you're wondering if she was in the show she was not um apparently according to my Boy Meets World expert that I've been watching the show with, Will Friedle was dating Jennifer Love Hewitt at the time. Um, and you can definitely tell because as soon as she <laughs> shows up in the episode, uh, Eric and Jennifer, um, which I think her name is Jennifer in the um, in the episode, just to, you know, keep things easy. They just are making out immediately <laughs> start making out immediately um so you can definitely tell that they were more than likely dating around this time but if you recall um jennifer love hewitt starred in i know what you did last summer which was a film that came out i guess it would have been a year right before this episode or you know probably by the time this episode was being shot i know what you did last summer was more than likely coming out so to have her there have the kind of typical storyline of a slasher film and everything like that I think that's what's caused this episode to remain kind of in the pop culture lexicon as long as it has and it just is a really it's a really tight story you know contained in 30 minutes again typical like similar to Treehouse of Horror it just never fails to kind of like now I think it'll be something that I'll watch uh year over year to get me in kind of the spooky mood because this is this is not quite Treehouse of Horror where it's just like openly gory but this is probably again as close as I will get to a slasher film and I'm okay with that if I'm getting to a slasher film via a 90s sitcom I'm cool with that not gonna lie I'm very much so cool with that <laughs> Moving on to the last thing that kind of gets me in the the holiday mood, the spooky holiday mood, if you will. I'm going to say this is, again, similar to Boy Meets World, where it's like really any sitcom Halloween special gets me in the mood with Charlie Brown never fails to put me in the mood and literally any cartoon holiday special Halloween special always lets me know that like fall is right around the corner and I'm so excited and it really is less to do with these specific specials and more about the time in which they were coming around um so I feel like a lot of people with Charlie Brown especially it is the mark of like you were about to go either on like a fall break or Halloween was like that weekend and so it was the last like the Friday before Halloween started you're you have like a, a party in your class you're not doing any work 
you're just having a good time like you're watching a bunch of halloween specials like people bring in cookies and you know candy and like you get to eat pizza and you're not doing anything all day and that's a very specific like elementary school memory but that is what it's the great pumpkin charlie brown and any animated series that had an, a Halloween special around when I was a kid reminds me of like it just the feeling of it being fall and like the leaves on the trees changing and everything like that it's just is such a warm feeling like I know that I'm like deeply entrenched in nostalgia all the time but that's such a pure nostalgia thought and I hope you know what I'm talking about but it's just like a warm feeling of like simpler times <laughs> like just easier times and it's the same thing that happens with um charlie brown and like the christmas special too is the same thing of like classroom parties and you know it being a little bit crisper outside and having to put on a jacket and that whole thing i love it um always gets me in in the spirit of of the holiday and like you know talking with friends about like oh I'm gonna be this for Halloween or like I'm gonna go here for trick-or-treating like just so many good memories you know so I did not realize that Charlie Brown the Halloween special was as old as it was but it was uh released on October 27th 1966 so in theory almost everyone listening to this podcast right now has seen it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown at some point. Um, it is almost a mainstay like Sesame Street is, um, where generations of people have seen it every single Halloween. <laughs> um, and the, the weird thing about it is, and I guess not necessarily weird, but now um, it was kind of a big deal, I think around last year, uh, when the It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown was uh, put behind a paywall for the first time. And you can find it on Apple TV. Um, and so a lot of people were, you know, quite upset because that's like a a tradition that a lot of people have in the fall time, especially around Halloween, to watch It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown is what gets them, you know, gets the, the holiday uh, time kind of kicked off and going. And a lot of people were quite upset. So I did a little bit of digging and I saw, so, you know, write this down. If you want to see It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown on free, free TV this year, they're playing it one time <laughs> on PBS and PBS Kids. It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown will air on PBS and PBS Kids on Sunday, October 24th, which is this weekend at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and this broad the broadcast of it is going to be ad-free, so you can watch it all the way through. If you don't have Apple TV and can't watch It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, you can watch it on PBS and PBS Kids. They will not be streaming it online. You have to watch it on your TV. So if you're missing and need that It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown fix, that is where you can find it. I think I will be trying to tune in if I can figure out how to watch it because um, I don't have a TV. Uh, typical uh, zillennial don't have a TV. But yes, so I want to share with the masses that that is how you can watch It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, if that is a part of your fall traditions. So those are the three things that I love to watch every year to get me in the Halloween spirit. 
I know that I'm definitely missing a couple, but as a, you know, television connoisseur that I am, I watched a lot of TV, especially as the holidays tend to pick up. It's just so many good things to watch and so many good things that are associated with so many good memories that I have. And I think those will always be like traditions. And I think it's really important to have traditions like associated with the time, whether it's via watching something on TV or doing an activity or whatever it is. It just kind of gets you keeps you happy and really battles the uh, seasonal depression that I know some of us are facing and right right now um it, it keeps you upbeat and keeps you going you know what I mean so those are a couple of my things but I promise you I have so many more and I will probably think of so many more as soon as this podcast is done <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Hi, I'm Bobby podcast. And this week, I am very, very, very excited to announce that we got our very first audio message. So let's take a listen to what Jada A had to say. Hey, Bobby. So this is just a, a bit of a weird question. Well, I guess it's not weird. This is the kind of stuff you talk about anyway. But how do you see film and television changing, uh, going from cable TV to what we're used to watching growing up as kids to only having streaming platforms as many people have noticed that Disney Channel will no longer be a thing and that we can only ever stream through Disney+. Plus. I mean, I've definitely noticed the whole going from Monstober, which is a total classic, to Hallow Stream, very foreign, very unusual. But like, what does that transition look like? for television, for kids in particular. And how do you feel about that? Also love your show. Bye. Okay, so Jada, first of all, thank you for submitting an audio message. And I think this is something that is very, very interesting. Um, So essentially we all know or if you don't know disney channel kind of as a uh, a construct or an idea is going to be going away soon um so we're kind of experiencing this weird transition from a physical channel on tv to a more streaming based thing i think it is really it's a really interesting thing to think about because we're almost doing kind of like it's almost a cycle that's happening it's very cyclical So right now, we are technically moving away from what traditional television was, which was like you had, you know, cable channels and everything like that. And now we're moving towards streaming. But we're kind of moving right back to what traditional television was at its core, which you have all these different channels that you go for different content with. And this is really no different. Um, So as far as how that is going to uh, affect kids or like how kids are going to take that I personally believe that kids are not really gonna know the difference and this isn't to say that kids are not smart enough to know the difference but how they've taken in television is with streaming so while I grew up with and um, I'm assuming that Jada also grew up with was Monstober which was a cable channel based binge fest almost that was on physical tv kids nowadays are going to be doing the same thing but just with uh holla stream 
on a streaming platform. It's the same thing that it's tending to drive the same idea of like, here's where you can find the one stop shop for all of this Disney based Halloween stuff, whether that's on a physical cable channel or it is on a streaming platform. The core message and core purpose of what these things are is the exact same. It's just a different package. Um, so I think kids will not quite know the difference because they've not really known a way to watch TV any different. They have grown up in the age of streaming. I think Zillennials, like older members of Gen Z or people who are Gen Z millennial cusps like I am, I do remember TV being kind of this own its own construction and streaming was not a thing. I remember a time before streaming. So I think it's easy to be like, well, what are kids going to do now that they don't have, you know, XYZ TV channels anymore? They don't really know the difference. They don't know of a different way to watch TV. They know that you can go on a streaming platform and and play, you know, whatever is on Disney Channel or would have been on Disney Channel in the same way that we could flip on our TV and watch That's a Raven or Hannah Montana or Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. It's the same thing. I think it's something very interesting to look at simply because of how cyclical media can be sometimes. Um, and I think this is a very good and very prime example of that very notion and concept. But it's, you know, something that is worth taking a look into every once in a while. And it's definitely worth asking these questions of like, how is that going to affect the next generation who is watching these things? And like, are they going to be longing for a specific way that media was done? Or are they used to the new way already of how we are, we're getting media? And I honestly think that kids are, are just used to Holostream. They don't really know much of anything different. And this will be, Holostream will be their Monstober or whatever Monstober was the new thing for the generation before ours. Like it always is changing. Media is always evolving and the next generation just gets used to whatever that next evolution is. Thank you so much for submitting that question, Jada. I loved answering it and I love answering questions. Um, so guys, if you want to be like the magnificent Jada who submitted our very first audio message, you can submit it at the link in every single description of every single episode of this podcast. You can click the link, send me an audio message. It could be a hot take. It could be a question. It could be a comment. It can be a concern. It really does not matter. All I ask is that you keep it respectful and just keep it nice. You know what I mean? And if audio messages really aren't your thing, you can just send me a DM over on Instagram at The Afternoon Special or over on Twitter at Hi, I'm Bobby. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that you'll join me again next week for another pop culture deep dive. Later days, friends. Hi, just checking in and seeing if you might want to step away from the noise of the world for just a moment and connect back to you. If so, join me on my podcast, Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion, where we'll explore mindfulness, self-love, and personal growth as I share practical insights and tools to hopefully help inspire you to start to take charge of your mental and emotional well-being. Search for Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. Are you a Marvel fan? Matt, you know I am. Jeff, I was asking the listener. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it seemed like a weird question because, you know, we've been doing a Marvel podcast together for t nine years now. No, no, I was trying to grab the attention of all the Marvel fans out there for this ad. Oh. 
thought it was weird too. You should definitely warn us. Good note, Ashley. Well, if you like Marvel movies and TV as much as we do, join us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. He did it again.